concerned and um, wants to be involved with where you're heading and on your journey, all right? God is not just um, the watchmaker that simply made creation and the world and said, I'm just going to step away. I wash my hands of it. No, God is intimately involved in the affairs of men, and he cares about you, right? That's good, right? Um, that Jesus made a way for us to have adoption as sons and daughters of God, and so he cares. Any good parent cares about their kids, and, and God cares. So we're there today. If you have a Bible, um, you can turn to Joshua chapter 3. John did an amazing job last week. How many enjoyed that last week, right? I just loved it, like the enthusiasm there, and um, talked about consecrating our hearts towards God, that word about setting apart. And, and I just want to kind of continue that with um, where the children of, of Israel are going. Um, and so if you want to stand with me this morning, if you're able, as we read the first part of Joshua chapter 3. But it says this, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel... And they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way that you should go. That's a key word there, know the way that we should go. Let's pay attention to this next phrase. For you have not passed this way before. I believe God wants to lead us on new journeys into new promises. Amen this morning. Let's see, be seated this morning as we pray. God, I pray again um, that you would use just, just a, a, a young preacher to communicate truth, just uh, um, an imperfect source to communicate greatness. And so I just pray that your spirit would be active and alive in us, um, that you would just begin to take apart the pieces of the, the mess that we call life, that we can see you, Jesus, clearer and, and better. And, and we just ask this morning that no matter where we are this morning, if we've come into this place purely on curiosity and we're not following you, that you would meet us in that place. And if we have been following you, that you would continue to remind us our need for you. We're thankful that you patiently and personally want to communicate to us. So be with us this morning in your name. Amen. The unknown is an interesting concept, right? We're kind of fascinated by it. Think about it. Uh, New Year's resolutions, right? January 1 is the time we look back and we look forward into the unknown and we dream, right? We have all these hopes and dreams. I'm going to lose 10 pounds, right? Anyone kept up with your New Year's resolutions? Amen. Way to go, people. Way to have follow through. I dropped off pretty early, um, but <laughs> we're, we're fascinated by it. We, why? Because we hope for a better tomorrow, right? If we're honest. But we're also terrified by it, right? We don't know what tomorrow holds. The financial um, well-being of our country, of our nation, of the stock market, the economy. We're seeing these housing market bubble. We've got all these worries, the political climate, these wars and rumors of wars that I think Jesus spoke about at some point. But um, we're worried about it. And why? Because we're, we kind of are comfortable with the known. But we're also fascinated with the unknown. And God wants to lead us to a place we haven't been before. But that requires a key 
ingredient. That requires faith, trust, and obedience. Well, I guess that's three ingredients, but faith, trust, and obedience. How will my faith contribute to my trust, which leads to my obedience? Let's check this video out this morning. I love what this young man has to say. world needs you to stop being boring. Yeah, you. Boring is easy. Everybody can be boring, but you're gooder than that. Life is not a game, people. Life isn't a cereal either. Well, it is a cereal. And if life is a game, aren't we all on the same team? I mean, really, right? I'm on your team. Be on my team. This is life, people. You got air coming through your nose. You got heartbeat. That means it's time to do something. A poem. Two roads diverged in the woods, and I took the road less traveled. It hurt, man! Really bad. Rocks, thorns, and glass. My pants broke. <laughs> Not cool, Robert Frost. But well, there really were two paths. I won't be in the one that leads to awesome. Like that dude Journey said, don't stop believing. Unless you dream stupid. Then you should get a better dream. I think that's how it goes. Get a better dream and keep going. Keep going, keep going, and keep going. Will Michael Jordan have quit? Well, he did quit. Well, he retired. Yeah, that's He retired. But before that, in high school, what if he quit when he didn't make the team? He would have never made Space Jam. And I love Space Jam. What will be your Space Jam? What will you create will make the world awesome? Nothing if you keep sitting there. That's why I'm talking to you today. This is your time. This is my time. It's our time. We can make every day better for each other. If we're all on the same team, let's start acting like it. We got work to do. We can cry about it or we can dance about it. We were made to be awesome. Let's get out there. I don't know everything. I'm just a kid. But I do know this. What everybody's doing to give the world a reason to dance. So get to it. It's a great reminder, right? I love this young man's story because um, the video doesn't explain it, but he has a rare brittle bone disease where he will break bones very easily. But he decided to make these YouTube videos and to do this, do these, what if the kid was president, right? To inspire hope and, and make a, a tough situation, an unknown problem, an unknown future into a legacy, right? And I just, I love starting the service out that way just to look. Sometimes I think we face problems and we face obstacles. They're there. That's the, that's the reality of the unknown. Usually between us and the unknown is a problem, is uncertainty, but our God is a God that wants us to not view problems and obstacles out of the lens of fear or um, ah, yikes, but of opportunity. God, what can you do through this? And so 
That leads us to us, the road less traveled, the unknown. We are creatures of the known, right? Some of you, I, I know where you sit. You sit in the same seat week after week. You know, I know where to find you and what service to find you at because we are creatures of what? We're creatures of habit, right? We go to the same restaurants. Well, this is my restaurant. That's my booth. That's, that's my meal. I like that. I, I know the owner. I, I'm very comfortable. I don't want to try anything new. We are creatures of habits. I'm a creature of habits. My Netflix queue is all shows I've already watched because I'm like, eh, I don't want to be disappointed. So like, I queue up the ones that I've already seen that I'm like, this is great. I'm going to watch this tonight. And my wife's like, what are you watching? I'm like, nothing. I've already seen. She's like, you've already seen that like three times. you know. But I'm a creature of habits. I'm a creature of the familiar, and um, I think we all are, if we're honest. We prefer kind of the comfortable. We, you know, we like to know, we don't like surprises very much, but the reality is, is that we are being thrust into the unknown daily. We just don't realize it. No one has breathed this air and this breath that you are breathing right now in this moment. No one's been in this place in this moment today. Only you have. We are taking and walking into unknown territory, whether we realize it or not. We have this illusion of control. For instance, I'm a large man, and I have a problem. You see, aircraft, they don't make big enough seats. They don't. Unless you have, like, I think Southwest now makes the longer ones, so your knees don't get crammed. But for me, I I have that problem. Um, especially if you're, I'm doing just a short flight, you know, Eugene to Seattle or something like that, and it's in this little, like, puddle jumper that just probably is held together with duct tape, and I don't realize it. <laughs> but I'm there. But we've all been in this scenario, if, you're, if you've flown before, and turbulence hits, and what do you do? You grab the armrest. <laughs> you grab on just a little tighter, and you're like, yeah, this will help, <laughs> you know? If the plane goes down... I'm safe, <laughs> you know, you, you cinch that seatbelt on a little tighter and grab that armrest a little, the, the, and you're there, right? That's going to help. Way to go, slugger. You've got that. You're going nowhere. But we have this illusion of control. We have this illusion of control. And um, the reality is that we, we have to surrender control to go where God wants to go. We have to surrender our plan for God's plan. It doesn't mean don't stop dreaming dreams because I think that God designed you to dream dreams. God made you with passions. God made you with abilities and gifts that that are a treasure to him. In Ephesians 2.10, it says he prepared these good works that we could walk in them because we're his masterpiece. So I'm not saying we shouldn't dream and we shouldn't step out in, in faith, but I'm saying we need to like Joshua, what, like the Lord said to Joshua, you need to follow the presence of the Lord. You need to follow God intently where he moves. Notice that it said in verse 1, it says, like, when, when you see the Ark of the Covenant move, you pack up everything. You grab as much as you can, and you go. You follow it. And why, what's up with that 2,000 cubits length, that almost half a mile length? It was so that you could see where God was leading. If I'm like crowding God and pushing my way, God doesn't have time to show me where to go, right? I need to be patient. There's a difference. There's um, this intentionality of I need to follow God intently, but at the same time, I need to be patient to watch where he leads, not just be like, ah. Because history, here's the thing. History can be a beautiful tool, 
but it can also be a painful and horrible obstacle. If I've, some of us, you know, it's not the, the, uh, the foreign that's our problem, it's the familiar. We've lived life in such a long time, or maybe we've gone through circumstances, and, and we kind of know what to do, right? And so we encounter these, and instead of waiting on the Lord and seeking God, we're just like, oh, I've been here before. I'm just going to do it this way. And, and I think that sometimes we miss where God is leading oftentimes. I'm not saying, like, wisdom is bad, because we've lived life. Wisdom is good. Proverbs wouldn't be written if wisdom was a bad thing. But I'm saying, how many times do we kind of live life not by faith, but by memory? Why, why um, you know, and Israelites could have done this the same. That's the amazing thing. This is a pivotal moment in Scripture. This is the fulfillment of a 500-year-old promise to a nation, a feeble, tiny, crippled nation that God said, you're going to be my people, and I'm going to make you great, and I'm going to make you a blessing to the world. 500 years, slavery, murder, genocide, all this happened in that 500-year time frame from where God said, Abraham, leave what is comfortable. I'm taking you to a land you do not know, but I will bless you. Abraham had to jump into the unknown, say, God, I trust you. And by that example, the people of Israel had to continue in that. When they were enslaved, Moses, a feeble, weak, afraid, old man, because he was 80 years old by the time that he got to the point where God was speaking to him out of the burning bush, if you're familiar with that story. 80 years old. So those that are here that are saying, you know, I've already had that, already lived that, um, let's look at scripture, okay? You know, God's not done, all right? Um, And so... We get through that. It took trust. It took Moses saying, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to jump into the unknown and trust you. And so that leads to this leader named Joshua, a young leader. And Moses is passed on. And God is saying, Joshua, will you trust me like, like Moses trusted me? Like Joseph trusted me? Like Isaac trusted me? Like Abraham trusted me? This legacy of faith, will you trust me like that, Joshua? Will you follow me? And he's saying the same thing to us today. Church, will you trust me? Jeff, will you trust me? Will you jump into the unknown? Not in stupidity, but with confidence, okay? Because I think sometimes we just jump to jump. You know, we're like, I wonder what that's going to do. That's not a good decision. But we are creatures of the known. You see, because what was familiar, history would have taught the children of Israel 40 years before When we get to a river and God says he's going to part it, it doesn't require my participation. The Red Sea, Moses just simply parted it, put his staff in it, and it was like, dry land, we're going. But this time, that's why we can't live life by memory. We've got to live it by faith. Memory would have said, okay, we're not going to participate in this. But faith said, no, people, step into the water. Step into my plan. Participate and partner with me to see a miracle of promise. The first miracle of the Red Sea was a miracle out of bondage, out of slavery, out of captivity. And that is a work of God. Salvation is a work only God can do. But faith, you know faith is a miracle? Faith, the miracle of faith is a partnership with God. It's getting our feet wet. 
It's jumping into the unknown. So what will we do? They're coming into this new relationship with God, this relationship with faith, which is so and very important. And we got to develop it. God is saying, I, I've, I've shown you what I can do, but I want to show what I can do through you. Amen? And so I think it, it's time for us to say, okay, God, where are you going? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Not yet, but we're getting there. So we can either have the confidence of faith to say, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to press forward in obedience, or we can look backwards and wander in the desert of disobedience and live a life that's irrelevant. Faith leads to greatest, greater victories than the law ever could. So why is this important? Why is faith, why is this miracle important? Because faith is the language of eternity. Faith is the language of eternity. Um, this means that I need to develop my faith. I need to develop my trust in God. Baby steps, really. God was just asking, hey, take a couple steps and see what I can do. What is God asking you to do today? What is he asking you to do? Because it looks different. It's not looking at what, what is God asking John to do or what is God asking Jeff to do? Because that's, no, I can't look that way. I have to ask God because this is a relationship. I was talking to um, some ladies t this week about just generations. I, I, I'm interested in understanding the culture of past generations because this is the first time in human history that five generations have been alive at the same time. First time. Now that creates a, a lot of interesting challenges for ch the church, for life, for relating to people. It, it's just the reality of it. And so I want to understand. So I was reading a book called Generational IQ, and it was talking about the, uh, the baby boomers. Any, any baby boomers in here this morning? If you're, if you're just willing to raise your hand, it's okay. And, and here's the thing. I realize that you cannot pick the generation that you are a part of. Neither can I. Can we just stop talking bad about generations, though? Like stereotyping millennials or, or digitals, because we can't pick which, which generation we're a part of. We just have to live. I mean, Let's not stereotype them. Let's encourage them, okay? I'm just side side thing. But it was amazing that there was three things that shaped that generation, the baby boomer generation. One was TV. You, you, we, you all experienced, if you're in that generation, they experienced the same things together. The landing on the moon. No one had like 500 channels or whatever or sports or whatever. You know, like it was just four channels. They had all these experiences that they shared together. That shaped a generation. Everyone was seeing the same thing, experiencing these amazing things together. The other thing is that it was like where the, the, the traditionalist generation before them or the worker generation, they, they had worked and they had saved and they had sacrificed for the war. This was the first generation that experienced freedom. Where you could plan, like, you're the first generation that got to plan for your retirement. You planned it out. You actually, like, were like, this is what I'm going to do and now and now and now. That's amazing. It was this generation, though, that moved from sacrifice a little bit to self. But by that, you discovered something amazing. You mined, if you will, and they mined this faith that was personal. It wasn't a broad spectrum. It was a relationship with Jesus. 
It was their relationship with Jesus. And so God wants us to have our relationship with Jesus. The whole reason I'm getting to that is because we cannot look at someone else's race and say, or someone else's faith and say, I'm going to do what they're doing. No, I get to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I get to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so what is your step of faith? What is your step of faith? Um, this is what God said to Joshua in verse 8. He says, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. Then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dis dispose before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Prezuzites, the Gergashuites, that one's always tough, the Amorites and the Jebusites. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, he will do that. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, come to rest in the Jordan's waters, its waters will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. I love that it says that you, in verse 10, that you will know that the living God is among you. Faith invigorates us to believe that the living God is among us. Faith stretches us to the point of trust to say, God, you're real. It affirms that in our lives. You know, I love that he was saying to the people of Israel, he's saying today's faith will conquer tomorrow's giants. We're crossing over into this promise, this 500-year-old promise, and there's 2 million Jews here. And they're not, some, they have good days, bad days. They complain sometimes. You know, they're like us. <laughs> but he wants to assure them that, hey, test God today. Step out in faith today so that you have the strength and trust to believe him when you're facing tomorrow's giants. Amen. Amen. So, again, we can view our problems as obstacles or opportunities, but God wants to view us to view them as opportunities for him to make his name great. So why are they so confident? Why is God, um, why is Joshua confidently proclaiming these, this trust in this faith? Because the Jordan River, a little, we're going to spoil alert and hop ahead a little bit. The Jordan River is in the flood stages of harvest. It's not just the normal Jordan River which is about usually from anywhere from 5 to 50 feet across. No, it is in flood stages. So the Jordan River is like 90 to 100 feet across. It's a problem. It's daunting. They're, they're, sure, memory says that, okay, you know, Moses would have just stuck his staff in the water. And Joshua's saying, no, we're not going to do that. Why? <laughs> if I'm the people of Israel and I'm following Joshua, I'd be like, well, Moses did this. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, anyone ever have, like, a teacher or a substitute teacher? And, and, uh, and they want to do something different, if you can think back that same. And you're like, well, our teacher usually does it this way. Anyone, like, ever say those statements? Right? That's probably what the people of Israel are, you know, in between the lines here. I like to get creative and think. And so it's not heresy. I hope not. But, um, <laughs> but. 
They would have been like, well, Moses would have done this. Joshua says, no, God wants to do something new, Israel. God wants to use you to do this. God wants you to participate in this one. He wants to take you off the bench and put you in the game. So church, just because I'm thankful for what God has done in the past, but God wants to do something new in our day. It's a different time. It's a a beautiful time. How amazing that five generations have the opportunity to worship the same God together. How cool is that? How amazing is that? But it's a different time. God wants to do something new. It's an amazing opportunity. So why do they have this confidence? They have this confidence because of a box. (laughs) What's in the box? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. This is the living presence of God carried in there. What? Okay. Yeah, I know. This is the covenant. So the covenant is the promise to Abraham. And so they would carry this, the Ark of the Covenant, to remind them. When they saw that, they would remember, okay, God has promised us this land. God has promised us property that we don't possess. God has promised that although we start as a feeble nation, he will make us strong. God has promised this. God has promised us that we will have land, that we can build cul-de-sacs, and we can have schools and restaurants with our favorite booths in them, and uh, we, can, we can build parks for, for kids and parks just for animals. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, but God has promised that. So they saw the covenant, but inside was also three different things, three things. The first thing that was there was a bowl of frosted flakes. No, um, it was manna. The people of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, complained about having too much meat. Can you believe that? Who complains about having too much meat? I'm like, if I could, I would barbecue every day of my life. Amen? Like, you know, like, who complains about having too much meat? There's too much meat. Meat again. And so God, being gracious and patient, because I would have been like, I'm done with you. Like, <laughs> maybe not, but... God, being gracious, sent manna from heaven that was good and sweet to eat and and sustain them. They gave them some variety in their life. (laughs) And so they put that in there. And they also put Aaron's staff. They were having a time where they're like, who should lead? And so they just, human logic, we're weird creatures. We really are. They decided, like, this will decide it. We're going to chuck all of our staves in a pile. This will help us to figure out who's going to lead. And so they did that. And as they did that, when Aaron chucked his in the pile, his sprouted almonds. Weird, right? And so all the people are like, ours aren't doing that. You're going to lead. And Aaron was like, I'm okay with that. But it was a reminder that out of something dead, life could come. So they put that in there. And then finally they put the 10 precious commandments of God in the, uh, in the ark to remind them to say God's presence has sustained us in the wilderness. He's brought life out of death and his law is holy. And so John talked about last week that we need to consecrate ourselves, to dedicate ourselves to the word of God. Um, and that is why it's there. But they're following this. They're trusting that God is for them. They're trusting that this obstacle of the Jordan River is an amazing opportunity to show not only them, but their enemies that there's a living God among them. I think that our, our faith sometimes not only shows us and encourages us, but it scares the crap out of the devil, if I can just say that. 
That one snuck out, but it's okay. Um, (laughs) It scares the devil when we live in faith, when we walk in faith. It scares him. And so it's not just to encourage us, but it's to remind the devil that these are my people. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is how it transpired. Now, verse 15, it says, Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water at its edge and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zerathan, the water flowed downstream to the Sea of Arabia, um, or the Dead Sea, and was completely cut off. And the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. It stood up. But here's the thing. Adam is 19 miles upriver. 19 miles. In the midst of your obedience, in the midst of your faith, it might not look like anything's going to like. Anything's going to happen. And you stepping out into the unknown, it looks like nothing's going to happen. But we don't know what God is doing behind the scenes 19 miles ahead of us. We don't know that God knew the exact timing. The exact timing. Now, that region is famous for mudslides and landslides. The last one was in uh, the 1920s. And it... it, um, it caused the river to stop flowing for two weeks. But they didn't know that. They didn't have history on their side at that point. They were stepping out into a place they had never been before, a trust that they had never um, set forth before, a faith that they had never lived in before. But we don't know what God is doing 19 miles ahead of us. I think about the 19-mile moments in my life. When Jenny and I were first married, well, we were about a year and a half into our marriage, and God spoke to our heart to give to missions, give to missions a a goal and an amount, and it was way outside of our means. We were trying to scrape by. I was working part-time in ministry. Well, that that means full-time if you don't know, (laughs) but I was working as a part-time pastor, a full-time pastor, a full-time bakery worker. And Jenny was working at a call center, which she despised. But we were, like, trying to make life work and being faithful and serving. And God dropped this opportunity to trust in our lives. And it was way outside of our means. We both prayed about it and we're like, okay, God, we'll trust you. This, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we'll trust you. And so we gave that gift to, to missions. And... Some, this is one moment in my life where I'm thankful that someone procrastinated. Because in the mailbox the next day, someone a year and a half later was just getting around to sending us a wedding card. <laughs> and in that, that card was a check for the exact amount that we, had, that we had chosen to give to missions. God was working 19 miles ahead. We couldn't see it. Because again, faith is is the unknown. It's not, I know, I know, no, God, I'm stepping out. I'm believing, I'm hoping, I'm trusting you. But faith isn't just whatever. 
19 miles up. I think about the IF gathering that just happened this year. And Jenny and, and the team that were doing that, they, they were coming to the end of it and um, kind of trying to figure out what all was owed or how much money had come in and would it cover the event. And they were short. And they were, it was the, the last day, and they're like, what are we going to do? We've already um, gone through our budget. We've already given in this. What are we going to do? And um, this was right after teardown of IF. And they were in Mana, and Jenny was talking with Whitney and, and just talking about the events. And, and Jenny was like, hey, can you just be praying? Um, we are short uh, for, for IF. If gathering, and we don't know where the money's going to come to cover this part of it. And Whitney looked at Jenny and she said, how much are you short? And Jenny told her and Whitney began to cry and she said, three months ago, someone came into the shop and, and felt like God told them to give me a check. And I, I, I talked with Zach and, and it wasn't for us. And so we've been holding on to this check and it, and it was the exact amount that they were short faith 19 miles up. God, we don't, like that started with Kristen and some ladies saying, we don't know how like this is going to be supported, but there's a, we have a vision and, and we're, God's telling us to step out and, and create something for the ladies of our community. We don't know how that's going to happen. And it's continued and God's been faithful. And again, we don't know what's your, what's your 19 miles up moment. In this room, there are stories. I guarantee there are stories of cancer being healed, of sickness being healed, of marriages being put back together. There are things that have happened in this room that God has done. He's taken us too far, church, for us to turn around and go back. He's taken us too far. He's done too much for us to simply say, God, I'm just going to sit and be comfortable. We have to press forward into the unknown. Yes, we haven't been here before, but he is leading us and he is going before us. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and have a bank account that's like busting at the seams, but have people in my life that I could have made a difference for, or have young people that could experience Jesus, but I was like, eh. I don't, like, what, what's the worst that's going to happen? I lose all my money? I can't lose Jesus. I, I can't lose Jesus. Like, that's his job to hold on to that. This is what faith is. This is what jumping out into the unknown looks like. In Hebrews 11, I encourage you to read the full chapter because it's the hall of fame. It talks about all this stuff, but it also gets to the end of it and says, all these people died without seeing the promise revealed, but they kept walking. So I'm not just prosperity here because the reality is sometimes I will step out in faith and there's still things that I'm praying for. There's still things that I'm walking in the unknown for for my family members that don't know Jesus, for my sisters that don't know Jesus, for their husbands that don't know Jesus, for the students of our community that don't know Jesus. But I'm trusting God. Today is about me, tomorrow's about God. I'm gonna consecrate myself and say, God, I'm, I'm setting my life apart that I will trust you and I'll trust that tomorrow's in your hands. Amen. This is what Hebrews 11 says. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for the proof of what is not seen. 
For our ancestors won God's approval by it. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God's command so that what is seen has been made from the things that are not visible. What is seen came from what was unseen. I believe that God, like, wants to speak into the unseen of our lives, but he wants us to trust him. He wants, to trust, he wants us to trust him and say, God, I'll follow. I'm getting behind you, not in front of you. I think sometimes I want to run in front and be like, God, bless it, bless it. Come on, this way. We're going this way, God. But I rarely want to sit behind God and say, God, where, where, where should we go? I want to just be like, okay, I'm going to do this. Cool, bless it, cool, all right? No, I want to sit and wait behind God. God will move whenever God wants to move to make it right. 19 miles up, God knew the exact moment the priest's feet would touch the water. He's got it mapped out. He is a detail-oriented God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, because <laughs> some of us wouldn't, yeah, all right, anyways. <laughs> but the reality is I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I know, and he's brought me so far. He's brought me this far. He's brought me too far for, for me to simply coast to death. I'm called to live dangerous. I'm called to be dangerous for his kingdom, to love. Someone that loves, someone that has assurance of their life and their eternity, that's dangerous. Someone that's not living for fear, but living for the hope of tomorrow, that's dangerous. Someone that's not afraid to, to sacrifice a little and say, okay, I might sacrifice my reputation because I love this person enough to tell them about Jesus, that's dangerous. Someone that, that, that will put aside my presuppositions or my, my pre-notions um, about someone else to love them where they're up, that's dangerous. Instead of judging someone, it takes a lot more to, to take my shoes off and sit next to someone and walk with them in their shoes. That's dangerous. So how will you jump? How will we jump into the unknown? We have to stand firm in the midst of it, like the priests did. They stood in the river and they said, God, we're, we're trusting you. Are we going to live by safe or are we going to live by faith? Because that's, that's what it comes down to. Isaiah, this isn't a new thing either. Isaiah wrote about this in Isaiah 43. He prophesied this. He said, remember not the former things. Nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. A new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? That's still the question. Do you see it? God wants to do something new. Do you see it? Will we step out in obedience and faith? Do we see it? Do we perceive it? Or will we shrink back in what's comfortable and where we've already been? Boyd Powers spoke here about a year ago, and, and he said something that has marked me and really stuck with me, that faith um, yesterday isn't necessarily faith today. What is faith yesterday isn't necessarily what's faith today. What is God asking you to jump out into? Maybe it's to teach a kid's class. Maybe it's to help with our student ministries. But you're saying, but I, I, I'm too old. Okay, tell that, tell that to, to Moses. Tell that to Abraham, who way past took a fatherless child named Lot and took him with him. Read the genealogy. Lot was an orphan. 
And God said, before I want to make you a father of many generations, I want you to love the fatherless. So don't tell me you're too old. How will you jump? Because it's worth it. We've come too far, church. People are too valuable. This next generation is too valuable for us to simply sit and say, I could, but I've been there. I've done that. No. We've come too far. He's brought us out of so much for us to simply just sit. Are we going to live safe or are we going to live by faith? Believing, okay, God, I'm going to take a, a giant step of faith. And I can talk about this lady because she's not here right now. One of my best things, like, I just, I wish I could duplicate this lady. She came to camp with us, slept on a, on, on floor, and she's in her 60s. And she loves our students. She loves our students. Deanne loves our kids. She will, she will interrogate them in the most loving way. She'll be like, what's this about? How are you doing here? Like, what are you doing now? Like, tell me about that. Like, she will ask questions and prod, but Dan isn't cool by, by hip standards, but she loves. And that is the currency that will change lives. She loves and she spends time. She was willing to jump, and she's been doing this with me for like two years now. And she's still dreaming. She's like, hey, I want to do this. Hey, I've got this idea. Hey, can we do this? Like, she's like dreaming past me. I've got to be like, okay, I better pray a little bit more because Deanne's like way ahead <laughs> about our student ministries. But how will you jump? Maybe it's not that, but I'm just saying like, are we boxing ourselves in? I can, I can't, but God can. God wants to do something new. Amen? Do we perceive it? He wants to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Do we perceive it? But the fact is that in order to cross the impossible rivers and walk into the unknown territory of our lives, we have to follow Jesus. We have to look unto Jesus. He's our better Joshua. He's better than the box. He broke the box. He became the bread of life for us. He was crucified and nailed to a dead staff, a staff of death, and out of that produced life for us. He fulfilled the perfect law of God that we were unable to live out and made a way for us to be holy and righteous. It made a way for us to have relationship with God. He fulfilled it. He is the better Joshua, but we must look to him. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. His very presence is with us. He is the one. So we must look to him, church. Because here's the thing. He wants to do stuff that we don't even think about, that we can't perceive. But tomorrow, I want to be able to perceive it. So that takes me taking a step of faith today. Saying, God, I'm just going to take one step into the water today. I'm going to get my feet wet. This is a two-way thing. This is a partnership. I love Ephesians 2.10. Back to that. It's like one of my favorites. That whole book is so good. But we are his masterpiece. Created for the good works that he has prepared before the foundations of the world for us. That we might walk in them.
This is a partnership. This is not a one-way street. This is God saying, don't you see what I'm preparing for you? Walk in that. But God, I can't see. Walk in that. Trust me. But God, it's unknown. Walk in that. But God, it's uncomfortable. Walk in that. Walk in that. Let's pray together, church. God, we thank you so much that you love us enough to let us partner with you. That you love us enough to let us see what you're going to do. I thank you so much for what you've already done, for the miracles that are in this room, for the just amazing um, stories that are in this room. But God, I thank you also for the future, for the things that you desire to do that we've, we've not gone that way before. We've not gone that way before. But God, help us to trust you. Help our faith to be stretched. I don't know what that looks like in everyone's life. I don't know if we can change the world, God, but I want to change my world. I want to change my world. I want my community to know, my family to know that there is a living God and that he is active and that he is involved in the affairs of man. God, help us to trust you. Help us to look to you, Jesus who is the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. Perfect our faith this morning, God. If that's you, if you just, this morning saying, God, can you perfect my faith? Can you help me to trust you? Can you just slip up a hand where you're at just as a sign of obedience and response? God, would you help me today? Help me, God to step into the unknown with confidence, to step into the unknown without fear, but with an optimism of opportunity, saying, God, what will you do? Help us to be obedient, God. Help us to trust you. We're thankful that we can step into the unknown, not alone, God, but knowing that you're with us. If you uh, are prepared to help with communion, you can come at this.